We are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Um, this book of Ruth is kind of, it's, it's a small book, four chapters long, in the middle of the Old Testament, um, and um, it's kind of in the time of the judges, where there's big national events going on, and then in this book, it just zooms in to this one little family. It reminds us that God cares about every individual, me and you, and we can learn from it today. And so this family, who've got this sickly and wasting away child in the famine in the land, they decide, do you know what, we're going to leave Bethlehem, which is also known as the house of bread, that's uh, what it means. And so they leave the house of bread because of the famine there, and they go to Moab. Moab is a, it's kind of an enemy of God. It's like a people who have all sorts of horrendous traditions. Their God is Chemosh or Chemosh and uh, he encourages things like child sacrifice and all sorts of uh, horrendous kind of uh, attitudes and behavior in his people and so the, the people of God aren't meant to go to that land in fact they're really meant to take them out um, but we won't go into that right now and um, they're, they're not meant to mingle with them but they do this family they kind of journey to Moab they end up settling down there settling roots their two kids marry Moabite women one's called Orpah one's called Ruth and uh, after 10 years we find out that both uh, Orpah and Ruth they don't have any children so they're barren so there's famine and there's barrenness in the land and then all three of the men in the story die. So Naomi's husband Elimelech dies, and Ruth and Orpah's husbands also both die. So it's a bit tragic. I called last week's talk when things go from bad to worse, um, because it just, things go, uh, yeah, uh, progressively worse. And uh, we kind of, it was challenging for us, wasn't it? Because it's easy for us sometimes when things get tough, we're in difficult circumstances or situations to want to journey away from the place where God has called us, to, to look elsewhere. And so that was, a, that was a bit of a challenge for us. And we talked a bit about that. We also um, talked about how even though we go through challenging times and circumstances, that doesn't mean that God has abandoned us. In fact, actually, we can rely on this God that we've been singing about this morning and hearing people uh, share the, uh, the Bible readings about how he is faithful to his promises. And, uh, and uh, what Hebrews tells us is that actually we should treat hardship as discipline. Or not, discipline and discipleship both come from the same root word. And so discipleship, or one way of walking through hardship is by seeing that as the Lord discipling us and teaching us things through that to strengthen us and equip us. And in that all, it can bring us peace. That's what Hebrews tells us. And so um, they're going through this difficult time. We were kind of encouraged by that and shared a bit about that. And um, this week then, we're going to find out what turning back to God looks like. And um, we're going to read from the rest of chapter 1. And I've titled this talk, Turning to God. Turning to God, because that's what starts to happen. So you can turn to it uh, now. Ruth, chapter one. Uh, sorry, my bookmark has mysteriously changed places. <laughs> Catherine goes, my bad. It's all right, it's all good. It's all good. This is why we do the marriage course, you see. 
So you don't do little digs at your... <laughs> I love you really, darling. You can borrow my Bible anytime. Just leave the bookmark in the right place. <laughs> right. It's also on the screen, so I could read it on the screen. But hey, I'll, I'll read it off the screen. Okay. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them. Why does he do that? Because he is faithful to his promises. He's faithful to bring bread to the house of bread, to restore the place where he calls people to. Anyway, when Naomi heard that God had been faithful, that he had provided food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and she set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. When Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. So she encourages them to go back. She says, don't come with me. And she kissed them goodbye, and they all wept aloud. And they said to her, so Orpah and Ruth said to her, no, no, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi, she's, you know, she doesn't want to. She says, no, no, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord hand, Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they all wept aloud again. And then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, and these are probably some of the most famous verses from the book, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I'll be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? And she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Naomi means pleasant or pleasant one. Um, Mara means bitter or bitter one. So she says, call, call me bitter. I went away full. But the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem just as the barley harvest was beginning. So there you go. That's that's the... uh, rest of chapter one, which we'll finish today. And over these four weeks, so chapter one, two, three, and four, we're going to see how God's redemption plan takes place. And um, uh, in these incredible verses, the reason why I've called this talk turning to God is because that word turn or return appears over 10 times in just those few verses. So in verse six, um, Naomi is saying, it says how she prepared to return home 
from there. In verse 7, um, they turn back to the land of Judah. So if you read the original Hebrew, that would be the same kind of word. They return home to the land of Judah. In verse 8, Naomi says to her daughters, no, don't come with me. Return back to your gods, to your people. In uh, verse 10, they weep aloud and they say, no, we're going to return with you. In verse 11, she says, no, return home. And she's like really encouraging, don't come with me, go, go again. And in verse 12, she says it again, return home, my daughters. You know, I'm, I'm an old, of old age, I'm not going to have any more children. And then in verse 15, um, she, I mean, when Ruth has kind of um, says, no, I'm going to cling to you, and Orpah said goodbye, Naomi says again, look, your sister-in-law's returned home. She's gone back to her people. You need to return with her. You need to go back. And, but Ruth replies, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you or to return from you. And she, instead, when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to return with her, to turn with her, to go her way, she she kind of stops telling her not to. And then right at the very end, in verse 22, it says, so Naomi returned from Moab. There's this whole kind of idea of turning or turning to God, returning and going another way. It's the whole idea of repentance, actually. When we put our trust in Jesus, we turn from going one way to go in a different direction. We turn towards God. And in this um, incredible few verses, we've got three different characters, Orpah, Ruth, and Naomi, and they all go through exactly the same situation. They all lose loved ones. They all go through this tragic circumstance, and they all respond to it in three different ways. So what we're going to do in today's talk is just going to look at each of the three characters and look at how they respond to God in this circumstance and see what we can learn from it. Does that make sense? Great. So let's start with Orpah. Orpah, and um, turning to God then, my first point is that turning to God is costly. Turning to God is costly. See, Orpah, she, um, she'd weighed up the cost of what it meant to follow God. And in the end, she realized, you know what, this is too much of a cost. She ends up uh, kissing her mother-in-law and says goodbye. She, she goes, in, a, in the Gospels, Math, uh, Jesus says um, that no one builds a tower before first counting the cost. You know, because otherwise what happens is you build half a tower and then everyone mocks you. And like, oh, what's this guy? Doesn't he know how to plan or to manage his finances? No one does that. Instead, first, they set out to see how much money do I have? And once they realize how much, they then build a tower. In the same way, he kind of encourages us, hey, there is a... There is a cost to following Jesus. And Orpah kind of weighs up that cost. And she, she tests it through. And at first, she says, no, along with Ruth, they both say, hey, we're going to go with you. That's in verse 10. Even though Naomi has urged them to go back, both of them say, no, I'm going to go with you. And so Orpah starts for a little while. We see that also in verse, in verse uh, 7 that the two daughters-in-law left the place where they had been and they started on that journey going towards Bethlehem. They'd started on this journey. Uh, She had, Orpah had made a commitment and they both responded initially in the same way. But when the reality was made clear about what following God would look like, what returning to God, what turning, going to Bethlehem would look like, she counted the cost and she felt it was too much, and so she decided to leave. 
The background context, I guess, to all of that is that Orpah, like Ruth, was a Moabite woman. And for the people of God back then in Israel to marry Moabite women was, was not allowed. Now, Marlon had married her. And, uh, and that was incredible in the first place. He probably shouldn't have done that. And so the likelihood of her getting another husband, another Moabite to marry her would be like really quite, well, quite rare. In fact, so that's why Naomi's like, hey, look, you're a Moabite. It's, it's bad enough that I'm returning. I'm going back. I'm going in disgrace. I don't want you to suffer the same thing as me because I know that I'm going to be ridiculed. And you're going to be even worse because you're a foreigner in the land. If you've got, you're a widow. The only person you're legally, it tells us in Deuteronomy, that she would be legally allowed to marry would be like a brother-in-law. And because Naomi doesn't have any other sons, she's like saying, oh, are you really going to wait for me to find a husband and then have a children and wait for that person to grow up and then marry him? And she kind of lays it all out. She says, hey, you're a widow, you're a Moabite, you're a foreigner, you've got no security, you've got no husband. Coming with me is not going to be any better. No one's going to marry you. You're going to have less security. So it's much better for you to go return and go back to your pagan gods. She kind of absorbs all this information. She looks at what it means to follow God. And her reaction is, yeah, that's, that's too much. I'm going to say goodbye. I'm going to go my own way. You know, um, attendance at church with your family or your friends will get you so far. Loyalty to loved ones, to people in your house will get you so far. Tradition, turning up to church every Sunday morning because that's the right thing to do, will get you so far. But without a relationship with God, Moab or the world is always going to look more appealing. Without a personal relationship with God, it's, all, it's, it's going to be difficult to follow him. We, all, each of us need to have our own faith, our own relationship, our own, um, our own relationship with God in order to be able to follow him. Because the reality is that following Jesus is costly. It costs a lot. I know many people all around this room who will be able to attest to that. They'll also say it's the very best thing they've ever done in their lives. But there are, let's be honest, hasn't there all been times where each of us has said, oh, wouldn't it be so much easier if I wasn't a Christian right now? Hey, I've done it. Wouldn't it be so much easier? I'd probably have more money in my pocket, maybe, I don't know. But then again, what good is it to gain the whole world yet forfeit your soul? You know, all of us probably or perhaps know people who started off the journey of faith, making that commitment but the things of life, the thing, you know, the desires of this world, the, the things that draw our attention, kind of they get in our way and then we can quickly turn away. I've got dear friends who I loved who have journeyed with me on this Christian road for 10 years and recently turning away from God. And it's tragic and it's, it's heartbreaking and it's, and it's painful. But the cost of following Jesus is is great, and I get it. In um, Matthew, Jesus talks about different seed that falls on different types of soil, and he says that some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. And then when he explains this a few verses later, he says the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word, 
and at once receives it with joy. This is a bit like Orpah. She's kind of lived with Naomi. She's, she's heard about the God of Israel, and she, she receives that with joy, and she's like, yeah, I'm up for it. I'm willing to take a commitment. And, and kind of something springs up in her where she does that, but she's got no root. And since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is what, I guess, happened in Orpah's life. Jesus wants to encourage us, hey, let's not be people that wither. Um, And uh, later on, actually, when he's talking to the disciples in John chapter 60, no, sorry, chapter 6, verse 60, on hearing all that Jesus had talked about, when he was talking about him being the bread of life, um, the guy who's born from Bethlehem, he, the disciples say, Jesus, this is a hard teaching. How can anyone accept it? And later on, it tells us, a few verses later, in verse 66, from this time, many of Jesus' disciples turned back and they no longer followed him. They counted the cost of what it meant to follow Jesus, to trust him, to to say that he is the king, that he's on the throne, and I'm going to trust him and follow him regardless. And they turned away. And Jesus said, Jesus turns to the disciples and says, well, what... um, you do not you don't want to leave too do you he says and Simon Peter pipes up and he says Lord to whom shall we go you have the words of eternal life we have come to believe and to know that you are the holy one of God that's kind of like Ruth's reaction but it's not Orpah's so a good question then, as we just finish Orpah's section, good question is, how is your relationship with God? How's your relationship with God? Like, do you, so you, not the person next to you, do you, do you have a personal relationship with God? It's not your wife's relationship, not your mum's or dad's relationship, not your husband's relationship, not your brother's or your friend's or anyone else. How is your relationship with God? Are you trusting him? Do you love him? Do you speak to him? Do you pray to him? Do you talk to him? Do you know him? Do you love him? Come on, let's be people. Let's not be like seeds that the soil falls on rocky ground. Let's be people that allow it to take root in our hearts, have good seal, good seed, allow God to work in our lives and let him be at work. There's Orpah. Orpah decides to go away and we don't hear about her again. So let's talk about Ruth. Ruth, who's a bit different but like Ruth she has all the things going on in her life as Orpah she's a Moabite she's a widow she her husband has died because she's a widow and she does she has all the kind of same situation and circumstances and everything I guess is going against her and Naomi kind of comes to her and she says come on let's see your, your sister is going, you need to go with her. And then we go get those amazing verses. No, where you go, I will go. When, where you stay, I will stay. And your people will be my people. Why has Ruth got such an extraordinary commitment when Orpah decided to bolt? I think there's only one explanation. And that is because she had experienced the love of God. She converted as it was. She's left the God of Moab, and she's now putting her trust in the God of Israel, in, in Yahweh, which I'll mention again in a minute. 
and um, she's trusted in him. And I think just a quick side note is that Naomi is probably like one of the worst examples of evangelism that we, that we can kind of come across in this book. But I think what's incredible and what we've been listening to over the, the previous sort of three weeks about what it means to love people towards Jesus is that in Naomi, Ruth saw the light of God shining through. You know, when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, even though Naomi has gone through all sorts of horrendous situations, there is something that she's obviously parted into Ruth and Orpah that makes them see something of God's goodness and his grace and so and Ruth she she's heard about this God of Israel she's heard about his promises she's heard about his faithfulness and she puts her trust in her and it it does make me think that it might be that you are someone in this room where maybe you've got grown-up children who are away from God maybe you look at your own life and the way that you've kind of spoke to others about God or Jesus and you think, man, I'm the worst person ever at this. Well, if God can use Naomi to bring Ruth into his presence, do you know what? He can use any of us. He can use any of us. And I want to encourage you, come on, let's be people that keep praying for our friends, keep praying for your family, keep praying for your loved ones that they might come to know the Lord. And Ruth, we know that she comes to trust him because she uses the covenant name of God where she says, may the Lord deal with me ever so severely if I turn away, if death parts us. That, that word, Lord, is the word Yahweh. Yahweh is the name that God uses to reveal himself to the Israelites. It's as their deliverer. It's as their saviour. It's the covenant uh, love name. It's about his faithfulness and about how he will remember his promises to all the generations. This is like when sometimes we sing at church, there's a song where we sing, Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to sing your name or praise your name, O Lord. This is why I'm not on the worship team. Um, we sing that because that is the, that's like the name that God has revealed to his people. Say, hey, I am faithful to my promises. And here we find, hey, he has been faithful. There's, the harvest has now come in. The Lord is, is being true to his name. And um, she invokes that name. She says, she calls on that God. And she says, this God, I'm going to take as my God. His people are going to be my people. I can't leave you, Ruth. Oh, I can't leave you, Naomi, sorry, because I can't leave God. And because I cling to God, I'm going to cling to you. God has captured her heart, and she responds by saying, I'm all in. Just like Peter. She said, well, where, where else are we going to go, Lord? Where are we going to go? You're the one that brings eternal life. To whom shall we go, says Peter? You have the words of an eternal life. And she kind of says it in her own way. Ruth hears and responds uh, her, her heart is different to Orpah's her heart's like the good soil and she's courageous and that choice is more than just loyalty it's a converting it's serving God of Israel instead of Chemos it's saying your God will be my God it's it's a desire to be numbered among the Israelites and not among the pagans your people will be my people it's a longing to live and die in the promised land regardless of the cost where you die I will die you know, the men in this story all kind of sort of abandon God. 
They give up on the promised land. They run after pagan idols. But Ruth abandons the pagan idols. Ruth gives up her homeland. Ruth runs after the Lord Yahweh. And God is so delighted that he ordains a story to be written about her and told for all eternity uh, in, in her stead. The only one of the two books in the whole of the Bible that are named after a woman. The other one being Esther. Yeah. And I imagine that Ruth is probably a bit like, embarrassed by it. You know, she's, she's just one of those faithful women who just loves God. You know, there's nothing supernatural happens in the book. It's not like she's got amazing faith or she's just like some incredible, you know, she's not like Moses or, I mean, she is in terms of all equal before God. But, you know, there's not like major, incredible, different, um, supernatural things that go on. Nothing happens like that in this book. This is just normal people trusting God, serving him. And she, I imagine if she was here today, we could talk to her. And she said, all I did was I just trusted God. I put my trust in him, and that meant following him. Of course, of course I would do that. Wouldn't any of us do that? Wouldn't any of us want to, to having put our trust in this God in Yahweh, want to then serve him and follow him? And, um, you know, my, it reminds me a little bit of my mum, actually. My mum, she, um, at 22 years old, she's white British, she decided to leave as a single woman and go to the sticks in the Democratic Republic of Congo. No electricity, you know, it's kind of running water is where you, f- you find it in the well and you go and drag it out there. She was there for 18 years as a single woman serving the people out in the sticks, just loving them, caring for them, trying to tell them about Jesus. And when I asked, you know, when I talked to her, oh, that's incredible, right? You gave up so much in, over those, those years. She's like, well, of course, that's because God called me to do it. And she'd be embarrassed about me saying anything. I imagine Ruth being the same. Well, of course, why, why wouldn't we? That's what God has called us to do. I look around this room and I just see men and women who just faithfully, just in the day-to-day, in the little, just trust God. It's no big kind of parting of the seas or whatever but it's just as important to God as you just serve as you love your neighbours as you love your, your spouses and your kids and your family and your friends as you just in your singleness and in your married life as you just quietly just serve the Lord live for him do the little things just trusting him that's all that's all he calls us to do and do you know what God sees that he sees it and he delights he delights in it just like He delights in Ruth. And the amazing thing about Ruth is that even though, like Orpah, she had all these things stacked up against her, anyone can come to the Lord. Anyone from any background, from any place can come to know God. So what's stopping you from turning to God? What's stopping you from encouraging your friends, your family, those who are, that you love and are dear to you, telling them about Jesus, coming to the Lord, because he loves them too, and he's delighted in them. So let's come on, let's be people that are faithfully serving God. And the last one we want to look at is Naomi. Naomi, um, turning to God, so it's, it's for anyone, turning to God is costly, but turning to God also requires humility. Um, in verse 20, she says, Don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant one. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, 
but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune on me. I think that's quite funny that she says, I went away full. No, she didn't. No, you didn't. There was a famine in the land. He was starving. And he decided to go away from the things of God and to find a different route. Uh, you didn't go away full at all. Okay, yeah, you had your kids then and you had your husband, but that was it. And, uh, and yet she kind of looks back and she comes before God and she's like, oh, I can't believe you've done this to me. And again, I, I can see myself in, in Naomi. I'm sure you can too. When you go through difficulties and, and hard times, you're like, God, how could you possibly do this to me? And uh, we fail to realise that actually it was us that turned from him, uh, not him from us. Naomi, um, she... Um, yeah, the reality is well that she drifted away from God. She went to Moab. She strayed, but now she's coming home. And um, she moans at God, and she kind of complains to him. And we, you can see that on the screen, that she's kind of not happy. But what I find really interesting is that, actually, I think that she has much more trust in God than what she kind of appears to. Like, she's, she has more faith than what she really pretends to. And in those few, in, in throughout actually this passage, she calls, she, she calls on the name of the Lord in lots of different ways. So she calls the Lord, Yahweh, Almighty. She, she kind of does this blessing in verse 6. She blesses her daughters by calling on the name of the Lord. Um, so that's, that's not verse 6. Um, maybe that's, oh yeah, verse 8 or verse 9. She encourages them to go back and she says, may the Lord show you kindness. That's may the God of Yahweh. So she's, she, she's still talking about God, not just like, oh, you know, that guy who's messed up my life. Actually, this is Yahweh. She's like calling on his faithfulness. May, uh, in, yeah, in verse 8, verse 9, in verse 13, she talks about how the Lord's hand, and in these few verses, she talks about the Lord Almighty. The Almighty has done this. She's like, has reverence for this incredible God. And um, we sung earlier, I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. I think deep down, actually, Naomi is confident in the people. That's why she's turning back. Why she's going back. She knows that the Lord has come to the deliverance of his people. That he is faithful to his promises. And even though she's, she's got a bit of bitterness in her heart, and she's a bit upset by the circumstances she's been through, she's saying, do you know what? No, I know that there's no other place for me to be but in his presence. But to go back to the place that he called me to. Um, we had that word earlier saying, I'm persuaded beyond doubt. Hey, that's what uh, Fiona brought. I think that Naomi was persuaded beyond doubt that the only place for her to be was back there. And so she, she goes, and it's a bit like the prodigal son. You might have heard that there's a story in the New Testament that Jesus tells about the prodigal son. And he believes that there is more joy and more love and more happiness and more contentedness to be found outside of his father's home. And so he leaves and he goes away and he, he kind of spends all his money and he, he ends up actually eating out of the pig's troughs. And he comes to his senses and he realises, do you know what, actually, the very best place for me to be was in my father's presence. And he ends up going back and he kind of makes up this story, How he, well, not makes up a story, he kind of rehearses how he's going to say sorry and, and he kind of 
is ready for him to be a slave in the household. But the, the father ends up welcoming him with open arms, puts a ring on his finger, puts a robe on his back, and brings him back into the fold, gives him his inheritance again, ends up bestowing on him all sorts of blessing and honour. And Naomi is doing that kind of thing. She's going back to the only place she knows where. She's expecting, though, that when she goes back, that she's going to be treated badly. That's why she encourages her daughters to, to not go with her. She, she knows that, but she ends up getting way more, which, again, we'll, we'll find out more about in the coming weeks. But it all started with this humility, with this willingness to turn back to God. And humility is opposite to pride. Pride says one of two things. One, I can't go back because um, look at what has God done to him. I ain't trusted him again. I trusted him before and now look at my life. I've lost my husband. I've lost my, my children. I've lost all sorts. I ain't going back to him. Or it says, well, I can't go back to him because I'm a worm and God doesn't love me and he can't forgive me because my sins are too great and look at what I've done. Everything that, that's happened in my life is my fault. It's, it's both of those things. And the reason why it's both of those things is because I is at the centre of them both. I ain't going back because I don't trust him. Or I can't go back because he's not big enough to forgive me. Pride is when we put ourselves at the centre of, I guess, our relationship with God. Humility is when we, we give that up. It's actually, God, I believe in your promises. I believe that you are faithful and able to forgive, able to separate my sins from us, able to restore, able to redeem. You are able to make a way where there is no way. You are able to do things that I can't imagine. You are able to restore and uphold and bring honour and dignity. And Naomi, she calls upon his name over and over and over again. And she is honest with him. I think this is a good thing for us to be honest with our God as we come to him say God I am bitter because you have done this this has happened this has gone on in my life and at least she's talking to someone she's talking to the right place she's not going around is she like moaning or gospel she's going to the Lord Lord you have you're, you're I'm not happy with what you've, what's happened here I'm not happy with the situation and she goes back anyway she knows deep down that Yahweh is faithful she has nothing to offer him Nothing. Do you know what? Neither do we. But she returns to him anyway. And uh, she returns to this house of bread. And although she returns in this cloud, although there's a stirring up amongst the other people there, um, God doesn't get angry. He doesn't, uh, does the, this chapter doesn't say anything, that he does anything. All it says is that Naomi returned, in verse 22, returned to Moab with Ruth, and it was right at the beginning of the barley harvest. There's hope. Hope for a future. She went away in the time of famine. She's coming back in the time of harvest. Harvest is a wonderful celebration time where there's plentiful, where there's abundance. It's like the prodigal son coming home. And a good question for us then is, where are you bitter? Maybe like Naomi, you need to turn to God to tell him how you feel, but then to put your trust in him again, to remember his promises to trust him for that, to call on him for those things. The harvest is coming. There is hope. There is a redemption plan to, uh, to be to know and to experience. And it all comes with turning back to God. Turning to God, it's costly. Orpah started well, but the challenges of life got in her way. Let's be people who trust in God and not turn away from him. Let's finish well. 
Turning to God is for anyone. Like Ruth, the Lord is calling all to him. You can come to him. You can know him. Let's be people that trust him. And turning to God requires humility. Perhaps you know God and your heart has grown maybe a bit bitter or there's maybe been a person or a circumstance that you've experienced that you found really difficult. Come on, it's time to lay that down, to bring it to the Lord who's able to forgive, who's able to disciple you in that, to bring discipline through the hardship and to do a good thing in your life. I believe that God is saying the harvest is coming for us, for you, for our church. The rains are coming. Spring is here. It's ahead. We don't have to fear. We can have faith. We can trust in the God who is faithful to his promises. He's faithful to you. He hasn't abandoned you. He's not going to give up on you. He's not going to give up on Hope Church. He's not going to give up on your life. But he is faithful to you. And he's calling us to turn to him, to turn to God. He's the only place where you can know the bread of life, Jesus. Let's invite the worship band back up. And I'd love us to stand together. We're going to pray and we'll sing one last time. Um, why don't you, let's pray together. You can, you can pray with me. I'll, I'll pray. You can receive that in your heart. Heavenly Father, I just, we do thank you for this book of Ruth. We thank you, Lord God, that in these ordinary lives of these ordinary people, you do extraordinary things. Lord, I thank you that we can, we can read this book, Lord God, and we can trust that you have a redemption plan, not just for this family, but for all families, for all peoples, for all that call on your name. Thank you, Jesus, there's hope to be found in you. And Lord, we just want to, I want to lift each of us to you, Lord God, where following you has felt costly at times, where it's been difficult, where perhaps we've allowed a bit of bitterness or resentment to come into our hearts, Lord, we just want to lay that down again to you. Lord, we want to ask you, Lord, would you help us to put our trust in the God of Israel, the one who is faithful to his promises, the one who has this amazing covenant love, who will not leave us or forsake us. Lord, help us to turn to you. Help us, Lord God, to shed our pride, but to come to you in humility. Lord, we've got nothing to offer you. And Lord, we thank you that you receive us as sons and daughters of the living God. Thank you, Lord God, that um, our relationship with you is so important to you. Thank you that you, you care about it. And I just pray right now as we just commit ourselves to you, as we, as we dedicate ourselves to you, Lord, we do pray, Lord God, Lord, would you show kindness to each and every one of us? Lord, I pray that we'd know your presence in our lives. Lord, I pray, Lord God, would you meet our needs where we have them? Lord, I pray, would you fit us with your spirit? I pray, would you know us, would, would we know you closely in our lives? I pray, Lord God, for those of us who have perhaps we're on the edge, we're counting the cost right now. Lord, I pray would you help us to even in that, as we've assessed the tower, Lord, we're still choosing to serve you like Ruth. We're still choosing to turn to you. We're still choosing, Lord God, to live for you. Lord, thank you that actually it's the greatest thing that we've ever done. It's the best gift you've ever given us as your son, Jesus. And we just want to trust him and put our trust in him today. So I pray, Lord God, help us. Help us to walk faithfully with you, to serve you all the days of our life, we pray. Amen.
Let's worship Him. Thanks for listening. We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.